and welcome to an all-new Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg edition. The international break is over, which means that there is loads of news from the lower divisions which we will dissect on this episode. My name is Nick Viltong and joining me today is our tactics expert and Bundesliga 2 insider, Jasmine Baba. And uh, Jasmine, how are you doing in the lovely city of Bremen today? Very good. I saw their first Bundesliga win since February 2021 over first the weekend. First home win, yeah, you might First home win. I forgot. I was remembering Bundesliga and forgot home. But yes, uh, apart from that, absolutely tired. Right. And uh, alongside Jasmine, there's also a man who, you know, probably did some celebrating this weekend as his beloved St. Pauli kept its first clean sheet since the dawn of time, it feels like. And this episode, it just simply wouldn't be the same without our refereeing expert and St. Pauli ultra and ground hopping expert, Mike Krikemeyer. Yeah, thanks, but I did not celebrate that much, to be honest. Right. Love the enthusiasm in your voice there, Mike. <laughs> uh, anyways, in part one of the show, we'll give you all the latest news from the Bundesliga 2. And, well, you know, there's been a lot, including another sacking of a coach. And in part two, we'll dive into loads and loads of fan-related action from the east of the country. part one of Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg edition, and oh boy, oh, it's been two weeks since we last recorded, but there's only been one match day because there's been an international break, and uh, well, after this match day, this one match day, there's another coach who uh, had his head on the shopping block and got it torn off. Uh, we're talking about Robert Klaus, who got the boot at Nuremberg this Monday morning. Now, Jasmine, tell me, was this the right decision by sporting director Dieter Hacking and the Nuremberg board to let a guy who's considered to be one of the most talented coaches in Germany right now let him go who said that I read that in the Nuremberg press when they hired him oh okay okay fair um no I think the only thing that I would say is a little bit off is just waiting for the match after the international break and then sacking him I, I think that goes for any team you've just had like two weeks where a new manager there could actually get some time with most of your players and set up for upcoming matches I guess it doesn't matter too much because we basically have a two-month break in five weeks time so it's not the biggest failure but especially when you're fighting towards the bottom of the league I would question that decision. It's been quite bad for some time. I would, I'm kind of surprised he didn't go after their defeat to Braunschweig, the 4-2, three, four weeks ago. And yeah, I think that it's been coming. They've spent quite a bit of money. We've talked on previous podcasts how that squad was built quite unbalanced that they have seven strikers and trying to balance that out going from a two striker system to a one striker system like they did against their 2-0 loss against Darmstadt only playing one striker when you have another six in your reserves is not going to be favorable and in that match they only created one chance on target out of 11 chances in total and 
Yeah, it's just been brewing for some time. The 3-0 loss against Karlsruhe, someone who hasn't been exactly amazing this season, I think was just the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, so they've obviously been stuck on this Red Bull tactic football for quite some time, relying on fast counterattacks, fast transitions, uh, mid-high press, and it's kind of run out on them and people have basically figured that tactic out. And if they don't get someone who knows how to create goals and fluidity within that team, they will drop closer and closer to relegation, which they're only one point above right now, well, the playoff anyway. So yeah, it's quite a worrying time for Nuremberg, which are quite a big club. There's obviously so many teams around them who are big teams and also fighting the same relegation path. So it's quite interesting to see who they hire, which we know there's only been really one top candidate, and how they get out of it. Right, uh, Mike. Now, uh, Dieter Hacking told the press today that the reason for this sacking was the fact that the team looked like it lacked guidance that you know there were 11 guys on the pitch and nobody seemingly was able to tell what they were supposed to do or what the other guys around them were supposed to do and that was the reason for Klaus getting the boot you've watched Nuremberg off and on this season um what, what have your impressions been of, of them so far is their place on the table deserved or you know have they been a little bit unlucky as well Well, I think they definitely have been a little bit unlucky. And what was that home game, which was nearly ridiculous when they lost it? Uh, can't remember at the moment. So they were definitely unlucky and they should probably have gotten better results. But yeah, in the, in the end, um, to be honest, I always liked Robert Klaus and I especially liked his press conference last year when he was a little bit maybe unfair to a journalist who asked him some details on tactics and he replied in a very, very, yeah, well, <laughs> not very friendly way. He replied in a very tactical way. Yeah, yeah, but, but he tried to demonstrate that he knows more than the journalist, which of course he does and I personally found it was in a very funny way but <laughs> yeah well you should not uh, play around with a coach after a loss and uh, maybe that's the, the response you get in such a, a situation nevertheless um, Nuremberg is just simply not meeting the expectations but this also goes for some other clubs in that league so curious to see how that evolves and very curious who is that top candidate that Hacking talked today in the press about. Right, so we've had a couple of years of RB football. So naturally, Jasmine, you would think that you are going to get a candidate who fills out some of the same criteria. <laughs> Or maybe you go in a completely different way after it just doesn't work anymore. But, but what's the point, though? I mean... If there's a connection issue between players and coach and the coach can't get his message across, right, fair, sack him. But, I mean, the, the reason why the coaching change from Marcus Anfang to Ola Werner worked well for Werder Bremen was because Werner took over a system that he basically believed in himself. Now, if you go from, let's say, 
a guy who wants tiki taka football to somebody who is more like, let's say, Sam Allardyce or Harry Ratnap, what's the point? Because once you've had a bunch of players assembled by a guy who wants tiki taka football and then you get the other character in there, he is going to find a bunch of players he doesn't want to coach. I mean, the top candidate who we believe to be Marcus Feinzel, I don't think is that different. I think the problem is with Marcus Feinzel is that no one likes his football. And also, I don't think many people know what he's trying to do after how many years of coaching, which is fair enough because I've watched it and I really don't know. But at Augsburg, especially the second time, because the first time he was at Augsburg was really good. The second time was probably not as great. Didn't really fill people with any much hope or emotion, which Red Bull football is kind of derived on. But I will say he does focus more on counterattacks and he does focus more on those transitions. So it might be a better fit than getting someone who's completely infatuated with keeping the ball and playing with fluidity, even though in this league, I think it kind of suits that more. I mean, we're seeing Magdeburg doing well now. We'll see if they keep it up. They keep the ball more. I mean, Tim Walter's HSV. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if it will suit this league unless you have the quality players. I don't know if, I don't think Feinzel's the worst shout. I think someone like Gramotzis, who's quite slow in attack and doesn't rely on much attack would have been worse for them at this moment. So yeah, I don't think it's the worst shout, but it also doesn't fill me with any happiness. <laughs> well, Grotus' football is so exhausting to watch. I, you know, whenever I watch it, I, I, I wish I was still smoking. Due to the my apparent need to calm down from all the anger I'm feeling at that point that I'm watching it. Anyways, uh, let's move on and move on to St. Pauli once again, uh, Mike. Okay, got Gatley, you, your president. He was out in kicker in the Monday edition. And he lashed out at the DFL and the so-called company clubs. Now, Mike, can you fill us in what your president got so upset about? Yeah, well, first of all, the media attention in Hamburg was concentrating on another point because he also uh, lashed out on our sporting results. But thanks, Nick, that I don't need to talk about that. So, I, I, you know, I got, I got that in at the top of the show. I'm, I'm happy with that. So let's move on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So well, first of all, he is in the board of the DFL. So maybe that's good to know as a background information. And he was just re-elected to that. And there is a decision by the German cartel office that the world-famous 50 plus 1 rule in general is okay. So we can keep that. But the DFL needs to get rid of the exemptions. And there are historically exemptions to Leverkusen and Wolfsburg because they were founded by a company like Bayer and Volkswagen. Or in case of Volkswagen, I'm not that sure, but at least Volkswagen is for more than 20 years involved in that club. And that's uh, the condition where you are allowed to... Uh, well, work around 50 plus one. And the same goes for Hoffenheim, where we do have SAP founder involved. And <laughs> in, 
involved or what are you laughing about <laughs> involved. yeah he's involved yeah. no no i mean i the, the fact that the, the, the reason i'm laughing is because you, you won't even mention his name even though Uli Hoeneß always tells the story how nice he's at the golf club tipping the boys and saying well he go have a 20 year bill and you know he has an apple you make a good career just like i did boy fetching my golf balls <laughs> Okay, I, I do know the name, so it's Dietmar Hopp. I, 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 I don't know it, I just... <laughs> you don't want to mention it. <laughs> okay, um, nevertheless, Orke Göttlich also counts RB Leipzig as such a club, although on paper they fulfill the rules of 50 plus 1, but they don't have an open membership. They have, oh, I always forget the number, I think it's 16 or 21. 12. 12. 12, yeah. 12 members, well, yeah. A, a number with two digits, but in a very low range. And you, you can't become a member. So that's that's the main difference to all the other clubs. And yeah, of course, everyone knows RB Leipzig just used a hole in the paperwork so that they appear as a club that follows the 50 plus one rule. In the end, you need to find a golden solution for that. So you as the DFL. And Oke uh, said he would like to have a financial balance for those exemptions, for those clubs who are led by a big company in the background and which, and this is the most important uh, thing that these companies always step in for all the losses. So you can, I don't know, lose all the money due to pandemic situation, no no visitors in the stadium and so on. And in the end, if you do have a minus of 20 million at the end of the year, Volkswagen comes in, gives you back the money and that's it. So it's a distortion of a competition and the DFL needs to find a solution for this. From my point of view, <laughs> it's easy to say that, but it's more difficult to find a solution. So I'm curious how this will evolve in the next couple of months because uh, as he also said in that interview they need to find a solution until January or February because in March there's a new process with our so famous licensee regulation system and this starts in March so you will need to have a new rule until February the latest and well to be honest I don't see that coming It's a very complex issue, and I mean, uh, another guy who's been in the press for entirely different reasons of late is, uh, is Lars Vintost, the guy who bought a lot of shares at Hertha, uh, the professional division of Hertha BC. But what Lars Vintost basically has done, he has bought shares at a highly inflated price, pumped Hertha BC full of money. Yet they ended up with Felix Maggot as their coach and Davy Serkel as their best striker last season. How that is possible when you've had 370 million euros at your disposal is beyond me, but be that as that may. But that is also a distortion of the competition, isn't it? I mean, who is valuing share prices of a professional division of a football club? Because obviously, Hertha BSC, the professional division, was never worth 370 million euros. But who's to say that some guy cannot come in and, you know, buy that professional division for that amount of money? That's another problem. And additionally, I mean, how would you make up for, you know, the financial imbalance? I mean, should the companies that make up the 20 million euro losses spread out 20 million euros to all the other 20, 35 member clubs of the DFL? 
Well, I think you need to do that via the. Yeah, well, that's easy. Okay, we can do it like this. All right, yes. No, but um, to to be um, <laughs> to, to to also make a, a, a statement that might become reality is you need to fix that with the TV money. I don't know how exactly, but maybe you say that these clubs who are funded or supported by these companies, they do get, I don't know, 20% less or whatever. So I, I don't know the numbers and uh, I don't know, <laughs> don't, don't need how to solve that in the end, but uh, there needs to be somehow a solution with money. And I, I think the, the, the easiest way to do that is via the TV money. Great. And if uh, Wolfsburg, Bayer and RB aren't agreeing to it, last Winters will hire a private investigator and send them around to, you know, all the most important people's houses in that club and dig up the dirt. Yeah, hopefully so, he remembers to pay them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the cash flow at Tanner Holding, it's, it's a complicated matter. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Kaiserslautern during the... Stefan Kunz era. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on. Holstein Kiel. Now, there's a club who has had a bit of a topsy-turvy start to the season. Sitting mid-table in ninth on 13 points. This weekend, they uh, had a 1-1 draw against their northern neighbours, Rostock. So nothing much to report in terms of their sporting perspective as of now. But, Jasmine, the club and the board, they seem to be at odds with their fancy. So what's going on there? Yeah, so Holstein Kiel fans basically were, or the club were punished for use of pyrotechnics, which is a word we're going to say, I feel, a lot more this season, because we've already said it <laughs> around evening. 100 of, Yeah, this evening. Um, Just wait to the part about East German football. <laughs> East, North, West as well. Yeah, they let off pyrotechnics against Hamburg the other weekend and not the other weekend and the start of September. The club called the fan scene to denounce the people who set them off um, and in addition they were not allowed to have their own information stand or distribute flyers and this is the way the club is basically cutting them off at the moment for not denouncing the fans who had d done it. Um, the fan scene do not want to, uh, don't want these section sanctions. Um, they say that the club doesn't like support them, don't, doesn't set up things for them. And now they were supposed to, um, protest at the Hansa Rostock game this weekend. But from my understanding, it was, I thought it was going to be like a boycott. But it turned out it wasn't a boycott. It was go it was a we're not going to celebrate while we're there and not do anything and make it a really crap atmosphere, um, which is a bit funny in my um, eyes because I think a boycott probably worked better because the all the seats were filled. Okay, it wasn't as much as they normally do, but there was still some atmosphere. And because Kiel are kind of average right now. They don't have much to celebrate anyway. So, um, yeah, they just, they, um, the, this is not the first time they've been at odds with the board regarding this. Um, they put out a statement and said, um, okay, we, we 
let off the pyrotechnics against Hamburg in a really responsible manner. We didn't, we made sure that we didn't endanger people or material, but they're, they're acting like we're criminals and that we're a mad mob. And um, they go on to say that these kind of sanctions about them not being able to hand out flyers or set up properly, um, it, uh, makes the team suffer and the coaches suffer for not having that atmosphere and they basically have the club have made it harder for them to organize travel and they're saying well we're not going to go to away fans if that's going to be the case because what's the point I mean, it comes at a very timely point because the next away match is in Nuremberg, which is a harrowing way. Uh, and if if you sort of like a bit of handball too and come from Kiel, well, your team is currently leading the handball Bundesliga with, you know, six wins out of six. And their away match at the same time next Sunday is actually against Berlin, which is a fairly, fairly more easy trip to go on compared to, you know, all the way across Germany on a Sunday with prospects probably being that you won't be back home before you have to turn up at work at 8 in the morning the following day. Anyways, so that is Kiel, chaos with the fans now. Let's move on and go for some Hamburg chaos. Uh, Mike, I know that you're going to enjoy talking about this. Thomas Wüstefeld. Now, he is a man we've talked quite a bit about on this podcast, you know, from his medical equipment being, you know, faulty and maybe sold at too high a price and all that and deliveries missing court cases against Klaus Michael Kühne because yes I want those shares but I didn't want them at this price because the club is more shit than you told me. Now Thomas Wiesterfeld he was in the press once again now what's up with him this time around? Yeah haven't we discussed that he also called himself professor doctor and he was not able to show proof of that? I don't know uh, so th there was many many things And um, in the end, last week, he finally resigned. And I'm deeply sorry for that. And I think especially the popcorn industry in Hamburg really suffer a lot <laughs> these days. So I don't know how, how this will end. So, yeah, <laughs> there was also a press conference with uh, Marcel Janssen, uh, who still leads the club. And there are many, many voices at the moment who say that Thomas Wüstefeld, or as we call him, Thomas Desertfield, leaving the club, this can only be the first step and Janssen needs to follow. I don't know. They were quite happy with each other. They also made some business with each other. And this was maybe also the reason why Wüstefeld joined the club in first place. Oh, what and was the now, business about? Was it about, you know, selling uh, Marcel Janssen's... What, what, what was it he produced? Was it intimate soap for your intimate area? I'm blank on that. I'm sorry. The cock rock. Wasn't that... Oh, you, you don't wash yourself down there. Oh, no. Great. Um, anyway... <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I think Marcel Jensen had a, had a line of shampoos or, you know, soap for, you know, your gentleman parts. Was the business about getting those to the hospitals in Hamburg <laughs> at exuberant prices? Could be. I would yeah. assume. The fake hospitals, obviously, as well. Yeah, but, but, but in the end, um, they do need to find someone new and... Uh, Yeah, I am. I'm really curious who this will be because it can always get worse, and <laughs> I'm curious how they will manage to do that. <laughs> with with HV, it always does. 
Anyways, uh, Jasmine, just a quick thought before we go to the quick fire storylines. And the thing I want you to answer me is, why on earth are both relegated sides from the Bundesliga now both in direct relegation spots after 10 match days? Seems incredible, right? Yes, I guess. I, I've never seen something quite like this. I guess now we've had a future... Well, we've had a change at Bielefeld and now we've actually won two games and drawn one out of the last five, which was a lot better than Ole Forte's previous role. Greuther Fertz is kind of coming back as well. They've also won one and drawn two in the last five. So I think it's quite hard for... I've said this quite a few times, but teams that continue to lose and then have a big something like coaching change from the previous year it's quite hard to get into winning ways again but also I've never seen the bottom of the Svaita Bundesliga be this close after nearly a third of the season in so between the last place Bielefeld and seventh place Karlsruhe there's only seven points that is quite a quick turnaround and we probably will see a turnaround because we always do someone else goes on a big run and either gets out of the relegation zone or out of mid-table to challenge for promotion so i'm pretty sure there will be some movement in the next couple of weeks great now let's do some uh, quick fire storylines before we end this part of the show uh, let me start kaiserslautern they are turning into you know the draw specialist of the league they've actually just lost one of their 10 matches so far this season but this weekend they drew once again 1-1 against Braunschweig which brings their number of draws to 6 6 out of 10 uh, 3 wins it's leaving them pretty in uh, in you know mid-table on 15 points but you know it's Dirk Schuster football so you should expect a lot more draws going forward and uh, Mike what <laughs> have you any thoughts about draws? Yeah, if you have asked me before the game on Saturday against Heidenheim, I would have said a draw would be okay for me. After the game, I'm not that convinced that this was all that we should have taken out of it. So we do play good from time to time, but unfortunately not always and not good enough sometimes. So we definitely do need a striker who ensures some goals and luckily... We do have a very long winter break, so we can go to search for one. Nicholas Bentner, heavily tattooed Dane, probably might want to have a comeback at some point. And, you know, having heavily tattooed Danes, it works out for you at some point. Anyways, Jasmine, any thoughts on Magdeburg leaving the relegation zone? I hope they stay out of the relegation zone. I like Magdeburg. I like um, Christian Tietz. They play good possession football and it would be nice for someone who's come up from the third league to actually play um, possession-based football and be successful with that. I think they play good football and some of their losses have also been unlucky. As I said, the relegation is really squished, so... I'm sure we'll see more changes there, but hopefully they're one of the ones that can stay out of it and stay in the league. They're actually fun and entertaining. Great! Uh, we'll be back with loads and loads of news from the Dritte Liga and the Regionalliga uh, and some ground-hopping advice in part two of the show. Stay tuned for that. Right, 
Right, here we go. It's part two of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. Uh, you're still joining us. Uh, me, Nick Viltagen, Jasmine Baba, and Mike Krikemeyer. And uh, now it's time to dive into what's going on in the Dritte Liga and the Regionalliga. And uh, let us start on the Regionalliga Nordost, <laughs> the northeastern part of Germany. Now, there's a team called Lok Leipzig. And they fired their stadium announcer, a guy by the name of Mirko Linke. Now, what did Mirko Linke do to deserve such harsh treatment, Mike? Yeah, I'm not that deep into Lokleipzig in general. We might have discussed this club uh, for its right-wing fans uh, a couple of times in this show already. And I learned that Mirko Linke also in the past did some things that might have earned him to go away. But this time uh, there was the Leipzig derby against Chimi. And before that, he published a picture on Instagram with, uh, yeah, how to describe that. So a very famous advertisement figure from the 80s in Germany uh, with a bold hair. And he had sunglasses. And in these glasses, there was the reflection of the death door at Auschwitz let that sink in and uh, below that there was the line good night green white to the chemie supporters so yeah <laughs> I, I i've been to auschwitz for a whole week last week so i don't know what to say about this it's just uh, such disgusting behavior and uh, i don't even have words for that There was a huge outrage uh, in social media, of course, and the club decided to fire him. After that, <laughs> I, I, again, I don't have words for that. There was another outrage by the Lok Leipzig fans who complained about that. Yeah, let's probably just leave it as it is. So he is not here anymore. He he um, he apologized for that. Yeah, but that probably was too late. <laughs> Meister Proper, if you must know, uh, the, the advertising figure, the, the one with the bald hide, I think he's called Mr. Clean in England. Yeah, okay. Mr. Clean, which Mirko Linker clearly wasn't at all. But yeah, he needed to go. And it's actually, it's, you know, I mean, say what you want about Lock Leipzig, say what you want about their fans and their fanzine and the fact that they do have issues uh, with a rather right-leaning uh, fanzine and... You know, we were rather disgusted with them during COVID when they, you know, acted out against 2G and 3G arrangements because, you know, they made a big fuss about football being there for everyone and, uh, you know, sort of taking the side of the anti-vaxxers. But this time around, they actually decided to do the right thing. They let the guy go. Good on them. I mean, that that was the only thing they could have done and they did do that. So, uh Credit where credit is due for once. The Leipzig Derby in the Cup, by the way, uh, was won by Lok Leipzig in a penalty shootout. Uh, I think it ended 8-7 after penalties for Lok Leipzig, so they threw to the next round. And um, right now, both of them are in the Regionalliga Nordost, and both of them are, you know, still sort of in contention for promotion for that that one promotion spot, which is currently held by Berlina AK with 18 points. Lok have 14, and uh, Chemie Leipzig have 13. So going to be exciting to see where these two teams are going to end up 
in the end. Anyways, let's move on to another East German team that does have troubles with fans from time to time. Dynamo Dresden. Jasmine, what's going on there? Yeah, it's been a big weekend or week and a half for the East region of Germany. I mean, Lok Leipzig, as you said, and then the protests in Leipzig about open up Nord Stream again, um, which also happened. Now to Dresden, where that always stays calm. They were off to Bayreuth this past weekend and basically ruined their whole city. Not the first time Dresden fans have gotten out of hand. There was a lot of clashes between police and Dresden fans, some at the stadium in the guest block where police apparently tried to intervene after a away fan called for help and the riot police wanted to respond. They tried to respond and Dresden fans weren't very um, helpful and started to kick them. Are they ever helpful? Kick them. I mean, there's also... I, I, Obviously, I'm not trying to side with the fans who think it's great to kick and punch police people, but I think if it had been normal police rather than riot police going in at that point, maybe... Why did riot police go in? You have to ask that question. But then Dresden fans tried to break open the gate of a former guest entrance to try and fight more police officers. They were able to hold the gate. Um, but also before the match or during, they um, destroyed a nearby food truck and used it as like projectiles to throw more stuff from this food truck. They harassed the caterers in the stand. 14 police officers were injured in the altercations across the day. One of them had to seek medical treatment. There were injured people across um, the visiting fans as well. So it wasn't just all Dresden fans going crazy. There were visiting fans also injured. They also stole or and damaged apparently um, 20,000 euros and of of that I think five or ten thousand were stolen I'm guessing from the truck the food truck they all traveled on a relief train there so a train for the fans and they ruined that and they also stole cameras from a journalist and it's really sad because the train was delayed to Bayreuth and um, they delayed the game 15 minutes for the Dresden fans to come for the start of the match. The atmosphere from Bayreuth was really welcoming, really put on a show for them and a lot of other fans who from Dresden, like they were in symphony with the, like in harmony with them. They also helped them bring in a banner for fundraising for social action hopefully not towards a protest for Nord Stream to be open hopefully something actually legitimate and it's really sad that a section of fans have decided to ruin a really nice away day out once again and I really hate that they're not our fans and this kind of wording that always comes out because they are, people have to realize and take responsibility that they are either 
still your fans and you need to deal with them and if you really believe that they're not fans they are using the image the name to tar that with their own kind of reputation so they are your fans take responsibility if you are part of ultra groups and people who like to cause that trouble you have to call them out and you can't just sweep under the blanket Right, whilst we're at it, a uh, quick update on what it's like there in the Dritte Liga. It's draw city. It's like Kaiserslautern all over the place. Great. <laughs> Anyways, uh, move on. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the last match of the Dritte Liga match actually finished as we are recording this, uh, by the way. That was uh, Ingolstadt against Zwickau, which ended in a nil-nil draw. Uh, right now, it's still, I think, 1860 Munich leading the bunch. They went past against Elversberg, who lost on the weekend, surprisingly, against Verl. Wiesbaden in third, who won against Essen. And then there were draws, 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 draws. But right now, there are... Three points between ninth place Oldenburg and third place Wien Wiesbaden. And down there at the bottom of the table, Auer got their first uh, win against uh, Meppen, I think, 3 0. Though they're now on six points, so are Bayreuth, Dortmund 2 on eight, and Halle on eight. And then there's loads and loads of loads between nine and 14 points. So everything's still to play for. In the Dritte Liga, nothing much has changed. Anyways, let's leave the Dritte Liga, draw City, a league full of Kaiserslauterns, and go back to the Regionalliga Nord-Ost, my favorite place, it turns out. There was a derby between Karl Zeiss Jena and Energie Koppus. All I have to say is go on YouTube, uh, go on, on the internet, look at the pictures and images <laughs> that this match has produced. It was a 1-1 draw. Uh, you don't necessarily have to watch any of the football. But, um, you know, there was a pyro show. The match was interrupted for 17 minutes because there was so much pyro. There were banners uh, hailing forlorn sons, uh, people who've died, old reggae boy among them, it turns out. And there were actually rockets fired by the Energie Cottbus fans towards uh, the home fans. And the reason for that, it turns out, is because the Ernst Upper Sportfeld, uh, the place where Karl Jena is playing its home matches, is currently undergoing reconstruction, which means that the away fans and the home fans are placed on the same stand. And now Karl Jena have a sort of a left-leaning fan scene and Energie Cottbus haven't. A left-leaning fancy. <laughs> mm-hmm. f- you can put it this way. Yeah, their fan scene is. You know, they there have been videos of uh, their fans dancing the Macarena and showing the Hitler salute whilst doing that online. You know, it's all fun and loves with the enemy fans. So, unsurprisingly, they were the ones shooting the rockets towards the Karlsruhe Siena fans. So, loads and loads of action and. You know, if you don't mind a fiery day out, you know, a Rammstein concert just without the safety precautions, this might be one of the fixtures you might want to attend in the Rückrunde. Anyways, talking about doing some ground hopping, Mike, time for you to give us some ground hopping advice. Yeah, before I do that, I need to know, is there a kind of moto speedway in England, Jasmine? Have you heard about this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Motor speedway, as in car sports or? Moto bicycles. I'm very sure there is one. I couldn't tell you what it's called or where it is, but I'm very sure there is one. 
Okay, the reason why I'm asking, of course, is the ground that I'm talking about today. It's the Motodrome Halbemond, so half moon in English. And this is in, um, well, the, the, the northwestern part of Germany. And there is a little, little village called Halbemond. Uh, it's near Aurich in Ostfriesland and so on. And they, for I don't know why, but, but they do have a very, very big stadium for Moto Speedway. Uh, capacity is 34,000 with 30,000 uh, standing and 4,000 seat places or 4,000 seats. And uh, therefore, it's by far the biggest stadium in Ostfriesland and it's the biggest Speedway stadium in Europe. Full stop. And um, <laughs> in the very, very good old days, there were some football matches played there, uh, but for many, many years, there wasn't. And uh, some years ago, uh, in, I think it was 2020, there was a group of uh, groundhoppers who tried to establish one more football game in that stadium just to have it in their ground hopping list. <laughs> Uh, this was this was really really fun. They uh, had the teams of PSV Braunschweig, which is not at all in Ostfriesland, and the Süderneulander SV. I don't know where they are coming from. Maybe they are from that region for a friendly match. And I think there was something around 500 people going there. They were not interested in both clubs. They were not interested in that match at all. It was just a friendly match. But they just wanted to make that cross in their ground topping list for that stadium, the uh, famous Moto Speedway Ground Motodrome Halbe Mond. And the good news now, if you think, well, I should have been there, you can be there. I just learned that at the end of November, the weekend of the 19th, 20th of November, there will be another match in Motodrome Halbe Mond. It should be a regular match this time, so a full season match. I don't know which teams are playing there. I don't know the exact date and time, but I will let you know in the next episode. Way! Great! That is some sound ground hopping advice. Anyways, this is it for another edition of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. My name is Nick Voltzang. I was your host. This show has been produced with the utmost of care by Aiden Rantoul. Guys, always a blast having you on. Uh, Jasmine, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jasmine Barber, where I normally do columns for both ESPN and DW. But yeah, anything is on my Twitter. Excellent. Mike, where should people catch up with you? Yeah, it's the Twitter account Mike Cru, and you can read everything on Milantone.de. Excellent. You can follow me at Norm Musings. You can actually download the FC Quiz app if you want to get quizzing about German football. I do the German football, the weekly German football quizzes there. And in the not too distant future, there will be training quizzes with another 60 questions about German football coming up on that app. So stay tuned for that. Download the app, get quizzing and uh, let me know what you think. Any feedback to the podcast is welcome as well. You can reach out to us at Talking Foosball. Let us know what you think about the show. Uh, anyways, next up on this channel is Talking Foosball Direct with Mr. Matt Herman and another guest talking about Match Day 9 in the Bundesliga. Stay tuned for that.